Good morning to you. I'm glad to be back. Last weekend, uh, Claire and I and our youngest daughter, Mercy, took our fourth daughter, Priscilla, off to college. And you'd think after we've done this, you know, numerous times in various ways that we would have been just kind of cool, but it felt really weird. You know, she's been with us for 18 years, and to go drop her and wave goodbye and say have a good life just feels really weird. But anyway, uh, she's doing well. I I called her almost every day this week to make sure she knew I was fine. I'm working on it. She is a, a big miss for us in our home, our church, our community groups. My name is Randy. Uh, my wife Claire and I are uh, the lead pastors here and are glad to be with you. You know, one of the challenging issues that we face in life, as well as in our desire to talk with others about God and Christianity, <clears throat> is the problem of evil and suffering in the world. And the idea, then, of an all-loving and all-powerful God. There's a tension there that uh, we and many have with that. Many people, including many Christians, struggle with the ideas that if there is an all-loving, all-powerful God, then I and those I love should not experience pain and suffering. Or, if I and those I love experience pain and suffering, then either an all-powerful God is allowing or causing this pain and suffering, which would mean that he's not all-loving. Or, I loved philosophy in college. Or, if I and those I love experience pain and suffering, then this all-loving God cannot stop this pain and suffering, which would mean that he's not all-powerful. How many of you have either struggled with those thoughts or know of people who have? As challenging as those ideas are, I would like to suggest that the Bible answers them very clearly. In the early chapters of the book of Genesis, we're told of God's love, plan, and provision for humankind. Humankind is given unlimited resources, unlimited authority over the earth and everything in it, unlimited access to God and his kind of life, and the absence of evil. God was able to say, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. The only thing that wasn't good was for man to be alone. But he fixed that. So it was all good, as we say contemporarily today. But there was one other thing that humankind was given that eventually upset the apple cart and this perfect life that they had been given. And that was their will, their ability to choose. God created humankind with intelligence and a will for the purpose of having a loving, connected relationship with him. An all-loving, all-powerful God would be worthy of respect, honor, love, and obedience. It would be easy.
There's nothing imperfect in him. There's nothing evil. There's, he is worth it all. But if the giving of that respect, honor, love, and obedience were not freely given through will and choice, it would simply be the created effect of a very capable machine. Rather than creating machines that merely do what they were made to do, this all-loving, all-powerful God created an intelligent being with the ability to make a choice if it desired to acknowledge him through respect, honor, love, and obedience. Does that make sense? I know it's an argument that most of you have heard, but I'm wrestling through it because of where we're headed. I mentioned we have um, five daughters. They are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. They have made incredible choices through the years uh, to love and pursue this God we serve. But they're not robots. They have choices. And while Claire and I might at times want to sort of, you know, and not have them do anything but we want, what we think is best, we can't force that. They were created with intelligence and a will to make a choice. It had to be this way. So we come back to this created, intelligent humankind who was given unlimited resources, unlimited authority over the earth and everything in it, unlimited access to God and his kind of life, and the absence of, of evil along with will and a choice. So what went wrong? How did we get from that perfect world to the world that we now have that is full of pain, evil, sickness, violence, earthquakes, car accidents, murder, and death. Well, as we know, rather than choosing to live in a loving, submitted relationship to God, humankind made a choice to live life the way they thought was best. Yes, they had a little bit of help, but they made the choice. And in that act of willful choice, humankind gave that authority over the earth and everything in it, to another willful being who also had chosen to live life according to what he thought best, exalting himself and rejecting God's authority in life. The problem of evil then, in my opinion, is not a failure of an all-loving and all-powerful God to stop it, but is the consequence of human choice. To live life as they think best, and by so doing, welcoming rebellion and evil into rulership over humankind, the earth, and everything in it. So, life could have looked like this. 
with all of those blessings and joys and freedoms from evil. That was an option. It's what God wanted. It's what he hoped would occur. But he had to give choice because otherwise he would simply have machines who could do nothing but love him. That wasn't of interest to him. That isn't the kind of love he would want. It's not the kind of love you would want. It's not the kind of love Claire and I want from our children. And so instead, we have this new reality that was not God's heart, that was not what was best, and we have the pain and the suffering, the hurt and damage that we see all around us, both in the natural and in the human responsible arena. Now, with this understanding, we might think that the answer to the problem of evil is simply the reinstatement of the human choice to respect, honor, love, and obey the all-loving and all-powerful God. Well, let's just make a good choice from here forward. That'll take care of it, right? Wrong. And the reason is, is because an authority and rulership over humankind in the earth, that authority and rulership had been relinquished to another entity, to Satan, and his rule over the earth by humankind. And we can't, we can't as humans disrupt that authority that has been relinquished. Another more powerful entity was required to reclaim that authority and rulership relinquished to Satan in the garden. And that person was God himself. Taking on human flesh, Jesus, the Son of God, who through a life lived in respect, honor, love, and obedience to God, through an unjust death, paying the penalty for humankind's disobedience and rebellion against God, and through the reclaiming of authority and rulership by the breaking of the power of sin and death in his resurrection. Listen to these words from the book of Mark, chapter 1. Mark would suggest and imply that these were the very first words that Jesus declared as a part of his ministry. They were for sure echoed throughout it many times. After John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. The problem of evil and pain in the world is the result of human choice and rebellion and the relinquished rulership over humankind and the earth to Satan. But Jesus comes into the world and he says, I have good news. That is all about to change. Through my life, my death, my resurrection, I am reestablishing the unlimited resources 
the unlimited authority over the earth and everything in it, the unlimited access to God and his kind of life and the power over evil. The God life is once again available to humankind. Wholeness, freedom, and life are once again within your grasp. But as it did in the garden, it still requires you to make a choice. You must turn from living life as you think best. You must turn from your path of rebellion and self-rule. You must welcome and believe the good news that there is the possibility of another way and kind of life than that which the world is able to give. You must choose to live under the rulership and domain of God, respecting, honoring, loving, and obeying him. And in this way, you can experience the fullness of life that he created you and all of humankind to live. When Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near, he was saying a new order has arrived, a new way of life. A new way of living is now available that will lead you into the joy and fullness of life that God originally intended for you. Now that same order of living according to the kingdom of God has, had also been introduced to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 30 verses 15 and 16, Moses tells the people about this new way of life that would allow them to live life in all its fullness. Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 18, Moses says, now listen, people, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if, as it did in the garden, your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, And if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will be certainly destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Two very clear declarations that Moses commanded the Israelites that day. I command you, This day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. Moses said there's two things you need to do that will lead to abundant life. First is love the Lord your God and secondly walk in his ways. To love God according to the Bible is to give him first place in our life. The first commandment said it this way in Exodus 23. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have nothing else that is first above me. The only path that leads to abundant, fulfilling life is love for God. Is 
choosing to make him first, every other path, every other love leads to destruction and death. The second thing Moses told the people of Israel was that they needed to walk in God's ways. He described that as keeping God's commands, decrees, and regulations. And it's there that we often get hung up. If we understand to walk in God's ways as following a bunch of rules and regulations, then we're never going to do it. We're going to fail. The commands, the decrees, the regulations given to us in the Old and the New Testaments are illustrations pictures of the kind of lifestyle that either leads to death rather than life or that leads to life rather than death. Murder, which is taking another person's life out of anger, violence, and self-pursuit, leads only to death, surely for that person, but also for the one committing the crime. Sex outside of marriage robs and steals from you and the other, and leads to death. Stealing, like lying and deception, breaks trust and reliability and leads to death. Jealousy and coveting what another has robs us and leads to death. If we're going to consider ourselves and call ourselves Christians which means to be a follower of Christ, then we need to get a couple of things in order. Christ has broken the power of sin and death. Through his life, his death, his resurrection, through the establishment of God's kingdom upon the earth, we are now returned to that opportunity to experience the fullness of life that God longs for us to have for the very reason we were created. But we have to make a choice. We need to make God first in our life, related to everything. Our time, our relationships, our career, our money, our thoughts, our goals, our use of the Internet, what we watch, read, and listen, everything. And we need to learn and live according to the ways of God. And the way that we learn to do that, what are the ways of God that we're to walk in? We must spend time in his word. Reading about and learning the ways of God, seeing identified the kinds of patterns, the illustrations that will lead to this God life. And as well, we can see the patterns and ways that lead to destruction. Love that about the Old Testament. Don't you just, you know, you look at those cases of, you know, Abraham or Tabor. It wasn't Abraham, you know, Jacob and all. I mean, all that mess, incest and David and Bathsheba. I'm just, you know, I mean, all those things. You think, my goodness, those are Christians. You know, those are followers of God. Yeah, just like you and me. And they didn't choose door number one. You have to be over 45, I think, to know that one. 
They chose door number two. Let's make a deal for those of you children in the room. And behind those doors was either good things or a... And over on this side, when, when those followers of God made the wrong choice, they got... And so do we. We're not going to learn the ways of God watching a movie, reading a book, playing video games. It's going to come from his word and from those around us who are making God first in their life and who, like us, are in the process of learning God's ways. Now, that's all intro. But before we go into my material for the day, I want you to break into clusters of two or three. We're a small congregation. We have chairs that move currently. Someday we may not have that privilege, but for now we do. I'd like you to get into uh, groups of two or three. And I've got um, three questions. Based on this understanding that Jesus gives us in Mark 1, 14 and 15, I want you to consider something. We read earlier, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. The words there, good news in the Greek, is a single word, it's evangelion. And it's the word from which we get evangelism. It also is the word that is translated gospel. Now, when Christians talk about evangelism or sharing the gospel, they typically mean telling non-Christians about Jesus. So what I want you to do, however, in the context of this verse and the context of all that I have just shared I'd like you to consider in your groups, what did Jesus mean by gospel? What did Jesus mean by this good news? Question number two, what did Jesus say our response to this good news should be? And what do you imagine he meant for those responses to look like? And then thirdly, if you adopted Jesus' meaning of good news, would it change the way you think about evangelism and your role in it? Ready, go. Get any groups? Two or three. They're up there. They'll stay up there as you share. Here's what I want to do. I hope that was... Encouraging. I'd like to give an opportunity for uh, to kind of just share some of the stirrings that occurred uh, related to these questions. So, um, if you've got a spokesperson from your group that you think maybe could respond, or and what we're going to do is just have a couple of groups share on question one, a couple groups share on question two, and a couple groups share on question three. So if you didn't do so hot on question three, or 
that one, whatever, then, you know, you can do question one. So you've got options here. So somebody want to respond? Uh, again, no sermons. I'm the only one who gets to give a sermon. <laughs> so I'm inviting you to share briefly. Somebody want to respond to that one? What did Jesus mean by this good news? Well, what we kind of said was that the good news is that they didn't have to, all those rules and regulations and killing the best sheep and all that stuff, they didn't have to do that no more. And they had a chance to have a relationship um, with God instead of just a do this, do that, and if you don't do this, you're toast. So I think that would be pretty good news. Cool. Thank you. In response to what has been um, preached in the Old Testament, that we are caught up in generational sin. And the good news is that we have the freedom to choose Mm. new life and what God has for us. And in that choosing, we don't have to focus on the sin, but we can focus on the freedom that we have. Thank you. Camille. Did any of you have trouble with that question? Typically, out of many streams of Christianity, they would have. Or they just wouldn't pay any attention to the passage. And this is crucial for us to grasp. To talk about anything out of the Bible. Question number two, what did Jesus say our response to this good news should be and what do you imagine he meant those responses to look like? He wanted us to repent and to show our love for God by showing how we were sorry and ask for his forgiveness. What does repent mean? To ask for forgiveness. And to change your ways. (laughs) (laughs) That little voice in the ear. That's good, Troy. That really is. Those are what he wants. And why repent is... I'll let somebody else answer and then I'll do my preaching. Or somebody else can answer that, state that. That Step away, Randy. Step away. The repentance is um, his desire for us to change and to, uh, to join in what he intended us to live, right? The kingdom of, of God being the, the life that he intended creation to have um, and part of our repentance is to stop the life we're living now and to start taking part in that that's also part of the good news for me at least <laughs> to say that hey I the creator am allowing you to come alongside with me and live in this life cool 
I remember uh, John Wimber, one of the founding pastors of the Vineyard, um, I remember him telling as a part of his, his testimony that he, he spent the first few years of his Christian life back in uh, the mid-60s focusing on trying to stop sinning. And he found failure after failure after failure until he came to grips with this concept of the kingdom and this idea of the kind of life God wants us to live. And he began, instead of focusing on stopping sinning and not doing this and not doing this and doing this and doing that, he started focusing on living out the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Repent, the, the, the word, means turn around and go another way. So we have been living our life making choices. You made some today. I'm sure you made some this week that were probably according to what you thought was best. Or you just didn't think to ask. And what we need to learn to do is not keep making decisions that are according to what we think is best or what we want to do. Repent means to stop doing that and instead start, go this way instead. Go the way that's going to lead to life rather than death. So I, I love the word repent because it is such a great picture. Turn around. Go the other way. All right, question three. If you adopted Jesus' meaning of this good news, would that change the way you think about evangelism and your role in it? Well, um, I think also part of the second question, which is not only repenting, but also it's also kind of seems to me to be wrapped up in the Great Commission, which is um, evangelizing. Um, so if we think about that for this, in the second part, that evangelism um, is a part of that, then that may make you think differently about that. Okay. Um, we were talking about the part where it said, like, and believe this good news. That's faith. And evangelism, um, at least to me, has been people who live with that faith, and they talk and they show it. So it, it draws people. And that's what, as an example, and that's what everybody, you know, that's what you should do, that God will bring people to you. Your responsibility is to live through him and to show that faith so that they want to be where you are, and you can share that news with them, how you got there. Cool. That's good. One other person on that third one? Just have a sense there's one more comment. Um, well, I guess for me, it doesn't really, uh, from what I've heard, it doesn't really change the way I think just because it's doing what God tells us to in order to reach out to other people, but I think it also changes my role in the sense that I could be more active in that area. 
but I don't know. Okay. All right, let's try this one more time. What is this good news that Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15? What is this good news? Daniel, just, just what your answer was great. Just what was it again? You don't remember. Okay, a fulfillment of what he's been looking for. It's about relationship. Okay. I, I liked, what was your name, ma'am? Uh, Kelly. I, I like what, what you talked about. Our, our lives are supposed to be a picture of God's life. If we have responded to this good news, that relationship with God is now available, that the choices I have been making that are leading and have led to destruction and pain and brokenness are now put behind me. I have repented, I've turned, and I'm now living and experiencing this God's life. Not perfectly, you know. I mean, we're, we're in a process. Uh, my daughter up in Albuquerque was talking to somebody this week, and she was trying to have language to describe our church. And I said, you know, there's a word that I've used, not tons, but occasionally. We're a process-sensitive church. We recognize that everyone who walks through those doors is in a process of being somewhere related to God. And our goal is simply to help them come a little further along. There isn't an arrival point. We don't, make, we don't pray a prayer asking Jesus into our life and we're all done. That is a part of a process of dying to self and living to God. It's a part of the process of repentance, of welcoming God's forgiveness, grace, mercy, life, power to to make this choice change. But when we are living this God's life, we then have the ability to say, hey, I got some good news for you. You know that life you're living over here that ain't working? I got one that is. But only if it is. When we as Christians, those who are declared in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our homes as Christians, are living a life that's leading to destruction and brokenness, and hurt and pain, we have no picture to give. In fact, we have a negative picture. People look at us and say, I don't want that. Or other self-righteousness, better than thou, whatever, you know, whatever we could be doing that's still living out this self-life. And I think if we were to just fathom for a minute, you know, the cars driving by right now, those workers at work, those children in your schools. Life is not working very well. How's it going? Is a great evangelistic question. How's your life going? Is it working? If not, I've got good news for you. Because it's working for me. But if it's not working for you, just one second, I got you. 
If it's not working for you, you may need to go back to you know, square one, door number one, door number two. Not laws and regulations, but back to what in the world is the good news? What is the kingdom of God? Twice in the last couple weeks, I heard someone ask the question related to the issue of, I've never heard a message, I've never heard anyone talk about the kingdom of God ever, and yet if you underline all the times it's stated in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, it's you know astronomical. It's the heart and message of Jesus. And even uh, Paul, Acts chapter 28, the very last verse. Paul lived for two years in his rented house. He welcomed everyone who came to visit. He urgently presented all matters of the kingdom of God. He explained everything about Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is intricately involved with all things about Jesus Christ. But this understanding of the kingdom, that it is not something someday, the kingdom is not heaven, the kingdom of God is not Jesus, it's not the church. It is that realm in which God's rule, what God wants and what God thinks is best, is happening. So it is within us, once it is declared that, to the degree that it is. To the degree that God's rulership, that his life, that his way of living, that that which he intended in the garden is lived out in our lives, is happening to that degree the kingdom of God is within us. Can you still follow? I went further, so did I lose where you were at? Yes, I think particularly if we see, if we are okay with process sensitivity. Um, There are are people I'm aware who feel that it is inappropriate for someone to teach on a topic that they have not fully grasped and fully figured out and have it all their dots, I's dotted and their T's crossed. I don't teach that way. I'm in process. Yeah, well, there you go. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm done. Next. It's true. It is. So in a similar way, okay, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm wrestling. My marriage is not perfect. My kids are not perfect. I'm missing. I'm messing up. Imagine someone would say those things. Actually, my marriage is going really great and my kids are really great. Someone might say that, back to Esther's illustration. It isn't perfect, you're right. And perfect is teleos in the Bible anyway, which I won't go into sermon number 1832. Um, Somewhere there has to have been 
something to point to that life is not the same as it was. It does not have to be complete. We don't have to have all our I's dotted and our T's crossed. We don't have to have a perfect anything. But we have to be able to say, this is where I was going. This is what I was experiencing in its fullness. And as a result of the kingdom of welcoming God's rule in my life, I've experienced this. And I can point to this. That would be my minimal response. We got a couple other. Let's go. Who's over here? Tina, did you? Oh, Madonna did. Let's get to use the mic. I'm sorry. I'm not doing the other part of the sermon, by the way. You'll get it next week. This, we're just going to do this. So make everybody comfortable. Going back to Esther's question, I think the good news of the kingdom of God for those of us that are broken is his mercy hmm. and his forgiveness. And the relief that comes that you don't have to live under guilt and shame. But you can live in the freedom that Jesus cited from guilt and shame. So even when we're broken, that's something that we can offer someone. I don't have to live under condemnation, even though I, I haven't figured out all and my life is not perfect. I can offer you this. That's great. That is good news. That good news for anybody out there? Good news for me. Wait, actually, you had your hand up first, and then we'll go here. I think it comes down to hope, right? I don't know. Um, it's hope for that progress. Randy, just back up. I don't man. know. It's why I'll be done in a minute. You. All right. You've got to aim the mic away from that thing. No, not that way. The plate, I'm telling you. The plate. plate. Whoa. Plate in the head. Yeah, it's the hope, right, that we can progress, that we can move forward, that there is mercy, that there is grace, that there is the power of God to change and mm-hmm. to move on into the life which he intended for us. Bethany. Yeah. Um, I guess mine is just the same as everybody else's, is that I guess from my experiences, I experience or whatever, um, when you are broken, in some ways you're able to sympathize or connect more with that person because you're not perfect. And then realizing that, oh, you're not perfect, you know, nobody's perfect, and there's a sense of that you guys can come together and experience um, some of the same brokenness that I mean we all we all experience. So that's one thing that we can use. We don't have to be perfect. Cool. I I again I think this concept of process sensitivity is crucial. I mean Jesus understood that his disciples were in a process and yet he still got frustrated here and there. Oh my gosh, have I been with you this long that you still don't have it? So, process sensitivity is a good word because it means we want to change. We want to see change. We want to grow. We don't want to stay where we've been. The good news is, as has been said, is that God's kingdom is present. His power is available. Forgiveness is present. Our lives can be different. And this week, I experienced this good thing. Highlights, lowlights. Kind of blew it here, but even that. God is able to take the bad of life and to bring good for those who love him and are called living out according to his kingdom. That's good news. I can mess up. The world can bombard me 
the enemy's turf can rule over me and I can experience a car accident or a household fire or a hurricane. And the good news is that while there is evil in the world at work, ruling and reigning and destroying, God, because of his rulership, is able to bring good. That's, that is particularly good news. And, and again, that's, that's the heart of what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God. So, it doesn't matter what topic we're going to teach from the Bible. Relationships, finance, uh, evangelism, whatever. All of those topics fall within this realm of the, of the greater umbrella of conversation around the rule of God. The, the, this ability to experience the fullness of God life or that which leads to death. Jesus said it um, really clearly. The enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy. I have come that you might have superabundant life. I've come. The kingdom of God is at hand. New life, superabundant life. In this life, not just in heaven someday, but right here. The kingdom of God is present. It is here. It is within your grasp. It is not something that someday or something that was. Although it was and it will be, but it's also here. That is a heart of understanding of, of, that we must grasp and have. All right, let's pray. It's 12 o'clock. Oh, God, all, the first thing I can do is thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us in that place of brokenness and failure. That you sent your son. to pay the penalty for the sin that we have committed, the rebellion that we have committed, the rebellion that humankind has committed, the turning from you and your ways. Lord, you are all loving. There is no evil in you. You only do that which is good and right and just. Lord, when you took people out, it was because the potential for damage to more lives was so great that that was the only thing that could be done. That was the good thing. That was the just thing to do. We don't grasp that. That doesn't make sense. We tend to lump that one right along with the hurricanes and car accidents and the shootings but it's not 
This world is under rulership of an evil being who has attempted to establish himself as God by stealing our birthright of leadership and ruling in the earth and then beating us up for it. But the good news is we don't have to live that way. We don't have to live under his domain. And we can welcome you and live within the power of your current kingdom, living a life as you feel is best. Papa, help us be men and women and teenagers who are able to say, how's it going? Not so good, huh? I have some good news for you. It can be different. Papa, this week we want to live according to your kingdom. We want to live in the realm of your rulership. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives within us, that is here for the purpose of helping, reminding us, prompting us, alerting us to the choices we're making. Thank you that we can hear your voice, that we can ask you and that you want to respond. Sometimes you're quiet and you want to see how we're going to choose. Because sometimes the choice is ours. And we can choose life or death, as Moses said. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I guess that was Joshua, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and establish your rule and your reign in my life, in my family's life, in my friends' lives here, in our church. Rule and reign. Change us. Let your will be done in me. And then as a result of my changed life, let it be done in this world around me. Let your will be done. Those things that you have spoken, those things that are in your heart to see happen on this earth, Lord, let it let them happen. In Jesus' name, amen. It's 5 after 12. We are done. Um, Here at the end of our service, we provide an opportunity for those who uh, would like to talk with somebody about some of the things we've touched on, uh, maybe issues in your life that you would just like uh, someone to uh, talk with, to pray with. Uh, Maybe you're experiencing some of the realm of this world that's having effect and impact on you. And um, we want to pray and welcome God's kingdom to break the power of those things in your life. So if I can have some of our uh, leaders and some of those who are trained to be a part of this, if you'd come on up, and then others of you, as you would like prayer or need prayer, we'd love uh, or to talk with somebody, we'd love you to do that. And the rest are dismissed. Thanks for being with us this morning.
And we'll continue week by week to see God uh, rebuild this particular location that it might better serve him. Thanks for your help and care. All of you who have done so much. Grace to you.